Hi guys, this is a really different one today. So, if you don't know whose voice this is, this is Joe from the Art Centre. And usually I may, more often than not, appear on mine and Jamie's podcast, which is the Arts Insider podcast. And I've made a couple of cameo appearances onto Adam and Erica's Teen Stage podcast as well. And over the lockdown, me and Mark co-produced one for our Say It competition. This time round, though, this is a little bit different. It's a one-off episode from me for a one-off podcast series, and it's actually part of completing my apprenticeship. So at the time of writing this, or, well, saying it, I think this is going to be called The Arts Effect. And I wrote that up as a report once for my apprenticeship, but this is a completely different topic, I suppose. What I want to talk about today is the actual impacts of community theatre and the value that arts and culture has to society. It's a topic that I feel really, really passionately about, so I thought there's no better way to explain it than to just invite you all to sit back, relax, and listen to me yammer on for a good 15 minutes if we're lucky. So, a little bit of context. At the time of recording this, we are still stuck in Lockdownville. Um, I think this is Lockdown 3 by now. Oh, God knows. But I think I'm going to publish it a little bit closer to the time of our actual release into the outside world, when we can all be free and fun and happy again. Because, for me, the value of arts and culture to society during the pandemic and its value normally are two very different things and we shouldn't really get them confused. Both though, I suppose, boil down to being, it's so important. Okay, let me backtrack a little bit. What do I mean by arts and culture? Well, if you ask me, culture is the things that a community does, the practices that it takes part in, you know? So maybe the best example is, in England, we love a good bit of football. And I can't say I'm the best football fan, except for Jack Grealish. Do love him. But we all, to some degree, have a bit of a football fanatic side to us. Maybe not everyone, but as a country on the whole, I think it's fair to say our cultural identity might include a little bit of football in it. We go to the movies, we listen to music, we celebrate birthdays, we celebrate Christmas. And sometimes it's hard to imagine that in a completely different part of the world, that may all not be the case. They have a different culture. I think when you go into the real detail of that, let's look at Scalmersdale, where the art centre is, it's my hometown, where a lot of the listeners who may be listening to this right now have come from. Everyone in Scalmersdale knows what the Connie is, yeah? It's a cultural thing. It's a cultural colloquialism. Is that the word? Colloquialism, maybe, is the right word. So I think there's a direct link between arts and culture. I think arts is a part of culture. Maybe it's the biggest bit. And so I want to just pick up on a few points. The first one I want to talk about is what actually inspires me about arts and culture. Why do I th find it so powerful, important, valuable. And I think about this and I think back to my background as an artist, I suppose. 
about 10 years ago when I was in the middle of high school, I had no clue that I liked art and culture. I mean, I liked to watch movies and I liked to watch TV, but that was probably about it. In fact, no, I actually loved the Liverpool History Museum. It was that bomb, man. Anyway, I always thought that I would have a future in the sciences. I was academic and bright at school, so I kind of feel like I was a little bit pigeonholed into that career path. And what I've realised more recently is that was probably something that I really wish I'd have been exposed to at, a, at an earlier age was this wonderful world of the performing arts and the visual arts. Because after I left high school, and by this point I'd already become involved with the Arts Centre as a student, I started to realise that after high school you have options. You don't have to be in the classroom. You don't have to be there. So when you don't want to be there, it becomes all that much harder. So in college, when I was doing all the sciences, I was really being pulled between my head and my heart. My head was telling me that I'd now subscribed to becoming a geophysicist. So I had to do physics and chemistry and maths at A-level and then had to go and do geophysics at university at the University of Southampton. But what I actually in my heart wanted to do was perform on stage and create work and direct and peer mentor and work on technical theatre and engage in this amazing world of art and philosophy and ethics and history and music and language and oh, every good part of the arts and culture spectrum that there was. And in the end, that meant that I left. I left college and I volunteered at the Arts Centre. And then, you know, down the line, it all worked out well because I became an apprentice and now I get to do what I love pretty much every day. But I know for a fact that my quality of life is consistently raised and enriched by being exposed to high quality culture and arts. I mean, it makes me happy. It makes me wake up every day and want to get out of bed and want to, want to create something brilliant in person, on stage or on a, a canvas. I mean, I can't paint, so that isn't a great example. But do one of those things rather than, you know, maybe, because it's not a bit, bit of me, maybe rather than sitting and playing a video game for 12 hours. And I think that, that is one of the most powerful things that we can gain from the arts and culture is tools that can enable us to have a better quality of life, live happier lives. And that doesn't mean, you know, we live lives in which we are, oh, well, we understand the the artistic inspirations behind Brecht's best piece of work. That's not necessarily the point. I think that exposure to arts and culture enables us with practical tools that we can use in life. Resilience, determination, courage, bravery, communication, all of the things that go far beyond the rehearsal room. And is that not just something that we should all be passionate about? Gaining those skills, becoming better people? And really, when we look at the Arts Centre, surely that's what the values are, aren't they? Aim high, work hard, be proud, show respect, 
be your best you. None of them are performing arts specific. They're life specific. They could apply to anyone at any time. So I just think that having a passion for the arts and culture is should be second nature, surely. I think it isn't in a lot of cases because we're in a system that isn't necessarily exposing us to it. But that being said, I do think that at the Arts Centre, we're working to change that. So now I want to talk a little bit about how I, as an artist, would like to create work that really brings about that change to arts and culture. And in order to do that, I want to take you back again to a story of mine. A lot of you who I've met in person will know that probably six, four to six years ago, I went to Ghana in Western Africa. And it was actually, funny enough, in the height of the Ebola outbreak. So I've not had the best of luck in pandemics. One here, one there, seems to be wherever I go, one lands. And so we went there in the October of maybe 2014, I want to say. Mm, that sounds about right. October of 2014. And the whole process of getting there was about raising the funds to be able to go. So backpacking at Iceland, it was charity walks, it was asking for donations from companies. And most notably, me and another, another student at the high school we were raising money at, we put on that year's Celebration of the Arts concert. It was a showcase piece where mostly singers would perform. We had band pieces, we had soloists, we had instrumentalists, we had all sorts. And this was, without a doubt, my first taste of putting on an event. This was before I was at the Arts Centre. This was before I'd ever done any show or performed on stage. And... I learned so much about myself from the process of doing that show that I think that is how I ended up at the Arts Centre and how I ended up exposed to arts and culture and how I ended up who I am today. And so that one trip to Ghana and Western Africa, before I'd even gotten on the plane, had changed my life completely. Not to mention then when I actually arrived in the country, it was a week of cultural enrichment in a world that was so different from my own. And I learned so, so much about it. And I always remember I brought back with me a wooden box. I bought it whilst I was over there and brought it back home. In fact, in my office where I'm recording this right now, I can see it right in front of me. It's you know, it's a dark wood with etchings on the top, a funny looking lid and a base of a much redder aged and worn out wood. I think it's a toolbox. That's the closest I've ever come to figuring out what it is. And my advice when I was telling my teacher who came with us about wanting to buy it when I was going, oh, miss, I, I really want to buy it. But, you know, it's actually quite a bit of money for our currency. And, oh, my gosh, my mum would kill me if I actually spent that much money just on a box. And my teacher gave me some advice. She turned around to me and she said, I don't think she would be upset with you for buying that because you'll only be here once and... These are memories that you should cherish for the rest of your life. So 
Money shouldn't be an object right now. If you want it, get it, take it home and use it to remember this experience. And I remember her telling me this advice so well. And I did, I followed her advice. I took it, bought it, brought it back home. And it wraps up that experience so well for me. It reminds me of the hard work of getting to Ghana. It reminds me of the hard work whilst I was at Ghana. The pride that I had of that achievement and our team had. The actual respect that I I felt going to this place and being treated like uh, such an incredible guest. When I was just thinking, oh, wow, I, I, I feel like I'm being treated like royalty here. I'm just Joe from Scam. It was such an incredible experience. It was really humbling and it really opened my eyes to the importance of giving back to others and supporting a global community, being pro-social. And I would like to create work that has that same effect. Work where the process of creating it is almost more important than what is created. Where the lessons that are learnt in the rehearsal room or in the production meetings, or in the auditions, are more enriching than what happens on stage. Because we all know that when we do a show, put together a musical or something like that, what will happen on stage is great, it's fantastic. But what the audience don't see is how much growth has gone on in the oh, you know 12 to 24 weeks or in the case of our current productions, almost 18 months because of COVID that have come before that opening night. Relationships have been formed, friendships have been formed, relationships have broken down, collaboration has had to happen, relationships have had to be repaired, people have become better communicators, they've grown more resilient or courageous or brave. And that all happens in this kind of invisible margin it happens whilst the rehearsal is going on. It happens on the nights between the rehearsals. It happens on the group texts and on the casting calls and on the social media posts. It happens throughout and permeates the process of creating good work. That's what I think applied or community theatre really is about. And that's why I think youth theatre is so powerful. So that's me. That's my goal, is to create performances that have a powerful, long-lasting impact, not just on the audiences, but on the participants. And I am mindful that not everyone, you know, will be as lucky as me and be able to go to somewhere like Ghana and see that culture and that way of life firsthand and develop that empathy. But with plays, we have a unique opportunity to step into the lives and the shoes of another person and understand them and develop empathy for them. And surely that is something that we should all try to do to develop a more empathetic global community. That's why I love Once on This Island as a musical so much, which we are producing with the seniors. And I'll never forget that in the production process of Once on This Island, a young girl turned around to me and said, well, I don't understand this workshop that we're doing in which we were asking all of the cast to play a poor Islander. Because she said, she turned around to me and she said, if they were poor on this island, then they wouldn't have a job. So why do we have to come up with jobs? 
it was so shocking to me that someone would think that just because someone can have a job that they aren't necessarily poor. And, you know, that's not something to be ashamed of that we lack that knowledge. It's something that we should build on. It's something that we should make better. We should enrich ourselves and our peers with this understanding that the world has got so many different variants of life that we shouldn't be surprised that a poor person may have a job. We should be empathetic and we should help lift them up. And we can potentially only develop that empathy. For some of us, we may only be able to develop that empathy by stepping into those shoes, becoming that person, even if it's just on stage or in the rehearsal room. So what I'd now like to talk about is something a little bit different. I'd like to talk about how arts and culture has managed to survive through the coronavirus pandemic. I'd like to use a rather specific example of a version of Romeo and Juliet that I recently watched, which starred Dear Evan Hansen's Sam Tutti, Academy Award-winning Sam Tutti, who is oh, just brilliant as an actor, and it starred Emily Redpath. Now, I was really fortunate, actually. I was able to interview Emily for another podcast series and gain some insight into her views on that production process. And she was absolutely delightful to speak to. She was so willing to talk to me about how much of an intense process it was to create that piece of work. Essentially, this version of Romeo and Juliet was told in a post-pandemic, post-apocalyptic world where theatres had shut down and people had taken to theatres to live in because they had nowhere else to go. So the feuding Montagues and Capulets, they lived in this theatre. And it was still the story of love. It was still this love tragedy, this Shakespearean classic, but told in a really modern setting. You know, the masquerade was face masks. Does that not just tell you everything that you need to know about this version of Romeo and Juliet? It was not set in the traditional Verona. It was set in a modern world, but still using the original text because that text is surely timeless. It seems to have at least stood the test of time. When they produced that piece of work within the pandemic, they had three days to record all of the content. And for the most part, it was almost all recorded on green screen and the actors didn't even have their co-stars to act with. They were recording in isolation. So when Juliet was talking to the maid, she, there was no maid there. She had to remember where the maid's blocking was and act as if the maid was in the room and halt for the maid's lines. It seems unbelievable that that was put together in that way. The only two actors that were ever together were Romeo and Juliet because there were scenes with physical contact that had to have that physical contact for the show's integrity. And... If you'd expected someone to put that show together in that way, in a pre-COVID world, they'd have said it is impossible because it, it should be. And isn't that the magic of the arts and culture world? Is that it finds a way to live on. It finds a way to survive and thrive and work lives on. Live, work continues to be made throughout the entire process of the pandemic, work has continued to be made, whether that's Zoom musicals, 
TikTok musicals, big up Bridget in the musical, whether that is web series, audio dramas, podcasts, podcast musicals, work has gone on, work has continued to be made. Look at The Show Must Go On, an initiative created to help fund the Actors Fund. That is a new concept created through the coronavirus pandemic, and it has took at least the country, probably the world, by storm. So, in short, definitely if you get the chance to watch that version of Romeo and Juliet, check it out. It was a recent production that I watched online, live streaming it, and I absolutely loved it. And finally, there's one more point that I like to talk about. And it's a hard one. I think it's a hard one to answer. But it's a question that I ask myself quite a lot. And that question is, do I honestly think that the arts and culture sector can change the world? Well, it may sound obnoxious or delusional to some, but I think absolutely it can. Now, don't get me wrong, a production of Grease the Musical in a high school in Burnley isn't going to bring about world peace. But that being said, a production or creation, a piece of art, a piece of theatre, may start to show us a way of a better life. It may start to indicate to us, oh, I could have a life like this. I could be a more aspirational person or I could achieve more through working harder. Showing respect to people gets me more than if I don't. I should be proud of the work that I produce. I suppose what I'm trying to say is that the arts and culture sector doesn't make the world a better place. The arts and culture sector provides us with opportunities to better ourselves. It can make better people. And that in itself will make the world a better place. Dr. Selena Busby, who is an applied theatre practitioner, has a brilliant metaphor around the concept of applied theatre. She tries to describe it as a slinky. You know, one of those things that you'll put at the top of stairs and they'll fall down. Well, she says that if you imagine a community, maybe a deprived one, like some of the areas of Skelmersdale, and they exist within the slinky when it is fully flat and they can't see beyond it. They think that life is only like this, only like what they are used to. But applied theatre, it can't move them outside of the slinky, but it can lift it up a little bit so it can create the gaps. It can create those little slits of light where you can look through and you can see there is another way of life. There is another world that I could exist in, another universe for me to inhibit, inhabit. Sorry. So I could become that person on the outside of this community. Or better yet, we as a community could change ourselves and become better. We could empower ourselves to become better. And that's very much what I think arts and culture is. A painting isn't going to inspire the world to put down weapons and to treat everyone equally. 
But an artist could teach people the values of respect and gratitude. Moreover, creating art could teach people the values of understanding, empathy, emotional intelligence. These are all values that we need as a cohesive society. I think a really important example to look at, and I'll finish off with this, when it comes to the impact of arts and culture on society, is when we look at how arts and culture has such a powerful influence on representation. Even in the last five years alone, there's been a huge shift in representation. And I think back to an interview I was watching with the creative team behind Ugly Betty, which is probably a show that was quite ahead of its time. And one of the stars of that show pleasantly commented on how having a Latinx writer at the helm of that ship meant that the story was authentic. And when we have representation on our stages and on our screens, it does at least two things and probably much more. First of all, it raises the benchmark. It provides on stage or on screen someone of a minority potentially, for instance, that someone can look to and think, if they've gotten there, then so can I. Or if that's their story, I can connect to it and I can ascertain the values of it. And moreover, when we have creatives behind the scenes creating that work who are also from a minority, then that work becomes authentic. It becomes truthful and therefore it is powerful. Because we all know that when a piece of work is created by someone who is pretending to be something they're not, they're not, or pretending to understand something that they don't, it's disingenuine and it doesn't have the impact that they want it to have. Whereas when authentic and truthful work is created, it moves us, it has an impact, it has an influence on us. And is that not just a fantastic way for us to inspire ourselves and the younger generation that will come after us and even the older generation that have come before. Art has this brilliant capability of inspiring people. It has a brilliant ability to represent others. And I think more than any other platform, art is able to reach back to the generations that came before us and reach forward to those who will come next. I believe that arts and culture is one of the most valuable and important things to our society. I believe that the lack of funding it receives is dangerous to our development as a community, a global community at least. And I hope that not just as a practitioner or a creative or an artist, but as a person, I can help to fight the good fight of keeping arts and culture at the forefront of our development as a local, national and global community. So thank you for listening. In the midst of my rambling discussion about five fire alarms, four car alarms and several motorbikes have come and gone, but it has been a fantastic opportunity for me to reflect on my thoughts about where we stand 
in relation to arts and culture as a society. So thank you for listening and have a fantastic day. Bye-bye.